You're listening to the Human Up Podcast. My name is Victor Ung, and this podcast is about developing emotional intelligence. It's about tapping into our emotions and understanding what we feel and how that affects how we show up in our careers, in our relationships, and even our creative pursuits. I bring on other entrepreneurs, business owners, content creators, and anyone who's taking that initiative to to lead their life, to live with more intention, and and what that what that means in terms of being able to to manage or, or regulate all of the emotions that come with that.、Um, And so we hit on a lot of topics like imposter syndrome and uh, uh, comparing, you know, comparing ourselves to others and、um, stress management,、uh, you know, dealing with conflict,、um, being assertive, being、uh, confident in putting yourself out there、uh, and expressing yourself.、Um, and、uh, one of my favorites, not、uh, not having to feel like you have to please everyone. You know, so emotional intelligence is not just about being nice or being touchy feely. It's about being able to really understand how we feel, so that we can be comfortable expressing that in in full authenticity and with integrity. In this episode, I bring on Joanne Victoria, the host of the San IT Project podcast, and we had a. An amazing conversation on all the different、uh, sort of transitions that she's made within her life,、uh, in her career, and the the resiliency and the courage that was built from that. So I want to get you into the, our conversation as quickly as possible. But before we do, a quick update on what I'm doing and what I'm working on. First of all, if you haven't already, you can get the 11 exercises that I've collected to help jumpstart your own emotional intelligence journey、um, at victorung.com/slash/subscribe, which I also link in the show notes.、Uh, but this is, you know, this is one of the bigger questions I get all the time in in what I'm doing now. Is you know, how do we even start, and and what do we do to improve our emotional intelligence? So. I just went ahead and collected 11 exercises that I've helped me, and you can download that for free at victorung.com/slash/subscribe. I am also working on a group coaching program called the Emotion Gym, where people can come together to actually exercise your emotional intelligence、uh, with with other people in a safe space,、um, so that you can you know learn the skills and the tool set to to bring. Back into either your workplace or your interpersonal relationships, or even just your creative pursuits and what you want to do and how you want to lead your life. So,、uh, if you're interested in that and to learn more details,、uh, definitely go to victorung.com/groupcoaching, and there you'll be redirected to take a survey、uh, that will ask you a couple questions on what you would want out of something like this. And with that, we'll get into the conversation with Joanne after a quick message from my sponsor. First off, thank you for being a listener of the Human Up podcast. I definitely have so much to say and express, and all the things that I've experienced and observed throughout my life that I've honestly been cultured and, and kind of pressured to to bite my tongue against. So I really love being able to use this platform and this medium as a podcast to do so, and it wouldn't be possible without Anchor FM, which is the hosting platform I use to distribute this podcast. It's perfect for me right now because it's free and automatically distributes. Distributes my episodes to all the different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And the cool part is that there are tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you don't even need any extra software or services to to create the podcast. And you can even make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership by recording ads like this. So if you have a message to send and ideas to spread, definitely download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. And who knows, maybe we can collab and create a, a podcast episode together. If you do end up creating one, you should definitely hit me up, and and we can do something there. With that, let's get back to the episode. 
All right, cool. Thank you for coming on to the podcast, Joanne. It's it's really fun to have you here. Well, I appreciate the invite because this will be a good time. We'll both have a good time. Yeah, for sure. It's it's always podcasting is such an interesting place to like to be able to have these types of conversations. So really yeah, it, it. and you never know what's going to come up. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad we connected too. I I, I found you. I think it was through probably like a LinkedIn group. Um, actually, I'm not even sure anymore, but uh, we connected on on very similar topics and um, thinking a lot about how, you know, uh, sort of the professional world and corporate world can affect our mental and emotional well-being and um, being able to really lead our lives with more intention and uh, tapping into uh, a deeper side of us that I think isn't really done enough in, in society and in humans. So um, it's really cool to kind of connect on a lot of the work that you've been doing now recently and kind of where you came from. So I guess for the, the audience who doesn't know, uh, would you mind kind of sharing a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. Well, it's been a bumpy road because that's what life is like for some of us. And I started years ago uh, first by, well, I guess I can say first by traveling cross country from New York to California, but that's a good beginning. Um, I started working and living in Northern California, which I, where I lived in for a long time before I moved to the Seattle area where I am now. And I kept moving up. I first had a job with a psychiatrist and um, I got that job within two days of landing in California with three kids, one cat and 12 pieces of luggage and a thousand dollars and got the job, got the car, got the TV, important things when you're raising children. And when I worked for the psychiatrist for a couple of weeks, he said, you have to find a better job. You're too smart for this. And he gave me some time to do that. And I uh, went to a job with a civil engineer and then I got bored there. I get bored. You'll hear that word a lot. <laughs> um, and through that, though, I found a place, a better place to live for my children and their schools. And then I accepted a job at an investment company, a land investment company, which was big at the time. And I worked there as the uh, chief operating officer. And I replaced a guy, a man, and I received half of his salary and I always held that in the back of my mind as I went through um, limited partnership income tax returns that I did annually and the office that I remodeled. And then one day when they decided not to give me the next increase in um, salary, I wrote my, la my final paycheck to myself since I could sign checks, had it cashed and put everything in a cardboard box and left and I proceeded to take my real estate exam in the state of California and became a realtor and during a recession, which I wasn't aware of because I was on my own time and schedule. And I was in real estate for a long time as a realtor, associate, then a broker, owner. And then uh, in the middle of that, I managed a huge office for one of the larger um, real estate companies in Northern California, which has been uh, purchased by Compass, which is a huge company. And then I got bored again because I was in real estate sales. And, you know, in real estate sales, you're limited in certain ways. I was very creative, but I just couldn't handle one more, gee, I don't like the color of that carpet comment. Because, you know, for 5000 you could change the carpet. It's just not that big of a deal when you're spending all the money to buy a house. And at that time, also, a friend of mine called, invited me to co-present a workshop with him. And I was on my path to self-improvement and personal development and helping others the way I thought they should be helped. And here we are today. That's the two-minute version. I think it's two minutes. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you definitely bounced around a lot and had to go through a lot of different transitions. Um, how long were each of those periods there? Were, were there a lot of... Um, well, you know, nothing most... was like, yeah, nothing was less than a year. It wasn't like six months and I'm done, yeah. except when I left real estate. I was the last position I had in real estate. Uh, I was the manager of a large office for a, a very large uh, multi-office company in Northern California. And, you know, during that time, I was having fun and so on because I had all new agents in the office. So I was teaching them. And that was that was good. And then we had fun because I made sure we had fun days because I think if you're not having any fun with what you're doing, you should just quit anyway. Oh yeah. You so got <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have some fun. And then during that earlier period when I was managing the office, uh, a builder came in to see me. He was a builder developer building houses in five counties in Northern California and asked me to be his broker. And I thought, well, I could manage the people I was managing in that office, or I could, again, expand my knowledge. Because I look at every move that I made, I learned more. And every opportunity that presented itself that need, that was a, an opportunity for me to learn something, I went you know, I left a successful real estate business. There were lots of stories behind that, which would take a lot of time. But I, I left a, a successful real estate company, mostly after the developer who hired me and who I reframed his entire systems and his uh, programs and his people and his uh, his brand and his presentation in the world so that he looked like um, a successful, intelligent human being. And then he decided to revoke the contract that he had with me. And mm. I just, out of the blue, I just guess his generous side faded. So when we met in the office of the attorney that I had hired for him, who was originally my attorney, who obviously after that day was not, uh, and they were both starting to renegotiate because I had taken less money uh, from the sales of the properties at the beginning because he was stuck and my salespeople needed to make a full load. They needed to make their full load. So I was taking X dollars per transaction with the intention and the contract behind it to make more money as things grew. You know, I was responsible generally for creating my own income. And when I was put on the on the spot with, well, we're going to change the contract, it was like, no, I'm leaving. I can't deal with people like this who have no ethics, yeah. no, you know, this is not where I want to spend my time. So I left. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there there was there was a lot of unfair treatment against you. Very much so. Uh, if it would have happened today, I would have handled things possible. I would have definitely handled things differently. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I was in shock and I didn't know what to do. I was embarrassed to tell others what had happened mm -hmm. uh, because I was embarrassed. You know, I thought I had something to do with it. And the only thing I had anything to do was making him a bigger success. And so, but I knew intuitively that if they did this once, they would do it again. Right. And I couldn't hang out with people like that. And I didn't even say goodbye. I just got up and left. And um, when this came along, this opportunity to really help people in a different way, using other parts of my skills, I took the chance. I leaped right. from real estate to just, I ran to it. And, and that, I, I have to really acknowledge that, that courage there. Cause I think like having to bounce around into so many different areas, especially with, uh, you know, tapping into these different skills, um, is, is very difficult for a lot of us. And I, I also very much speak for myself where, you know, you, you kind of want to, 
it's it's a lot easier to stay with what's familiar and what you're good at and like what you have been doing for a while and um to jump into something completely different which seems like you've done multiple times um and to like learn the new skills and to be in that unfamiliar territory is um very courageous so it's it's cool that you're in this in this space now and helping others uh, do that well I appreciate your acknowledgement of that. Yes, it took a great deal of courage to do that. And yet, at the time, I didn't think so, Mm -hmm. because I just knew this was something I had to do. Whatever move I made was the right move. Now, I don't know if it was the correct move, but it was the right move for me at that time. Mm. And it's easy to stay in the one place, as a lot of people do, as you well know, they stay in that one spot and they keep doing the same things over and over again, day after day. And that groove that they have in their brain gets just deeper and deeper and deeper. And the deeper it is, the the more difficult it is to step out of it. And that's one of the things that I share daily with people is that you have to create a new groove in your brain to have new things in your life. So Uh, I have shared my own path with people in that way. And this is what I think people need to do and still have fun and help others along the way and help yourself as well. Right. Yeah. That's interesting that you said that it, um, that you didn't really notice the, the courage at the time. Like it was just something natural that you felt like you, you did. So it almost sounds like, there wasn't too much um, contemplation or, or afterthought. It just like this was, you felt like you had to do it and, you know, there was, there was no hesitation. Well, part of it was sheer stubbornness, um, which I was told at a very young age that I had a lot of, that I was stubborn. And, <laughs> you know, I think it's an asset. I don't, I'll find another word to use, but right now stubborn is where it's at. And when I made up my mind to uproot my children 3,000 miles from New York to California, I was stubborn about it. I was fixated. I knew what I had to do. I had a plan. I always have at least a mini plan. And when I made up my mind each and every time to move forward, there was no changing my mind. Uh, I was taken out to lunch by the two real estate owners, and one of them was compassionate, and the other was downright rude about, you know, I was going to fail, I couldn't do it, I didn't know enough about construction to take this new position, and so on and so forth. In fact, the other partner uh, invited me back a few years on when he needed some help consulting about um, real estate land acquisition. So I maintained a conti- an ongoing relationship with one of the uh, co-owners of this large company until probably five years ago when, you know, he retired from everything and moved back to Switzerland, I think. I'm not sure. Do you, do you say, I think another word for Severn might be resilient, <laughs> maybe you could use. I don't oh, know if that I like resonates. that one. Yeah. I like that. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, so then, yes. So with, with that resiliency, like, do you think that's something you've always had or were there kind of moments that developed that for you, especially on the emotional aspect of it? Like, or, or was it just kind of circumstantial having the fact that you had, you know, three kids that you had to uh, feed? So maybe that had a play a role in it too, but like what, yeah. Do you think you've always had that or was it developed and, and how? Well, you- I, it's interesting because I'm writing an, writing an article, not as we speak, but I've been thinking about it for a long time about the gifts we are given at birth. And most people talk about the gifts thinking that they're, you know, the genius gifts that some children are born with. And yet we are given other gifts from our parents. And I think the resilience and the courage came from my parents. Mm. And I think the resilience was always there because I had, there were a lot of things that in retrospect, I look at and go, wow, how did I get through that? 
how did I make it to the other side? How did I do it and not, you know, land on my butt and yeah. never get out of bed, you know? So um, it's, I think the resilience and the courage is you have labeled them today, which I appreciate, were always there. However, one of the things that I look at is people have their own gifts, but they're not aware of them and they don't know how to apply them. Right. I, I think I'm kind of in that process right now in in tapping into that. I think like, um, yeah, because you're totally right. Like people don't really, I, I definitely wasn't provided that those skills and that tool set to apply that to really like tap into yeah, just our natural skills and, and values. Um, well, I think that that's what I learned along the way. When I decided to write about values, which was quite a while ago, mm -hmm. uh, personal values and that how your business values are aligned and so on and so forth, my values, uh, the ones I chose, uh, have not shifted. I could add more, but what's the point? My values are simple. They're show up, be on time tell the truth, tell your truth, and keep your word. And mm -hmm. I, I find it very easy to live those and be those. Uh, others may come into play, but as long as I show up and I'm on time, and for me, on time is early, and keep my word and tell my truth, all of it to the best of my ability, they've stuck with me. Now, those weren't given to me by my parents. We never had a discussion about, hmm, Joanne, let's talk about your life values. Right. <laughs> let's talk about what's important to you. Let's talk about what's important to us. Yeah. No, no, that, that never occurred. I think my values were results based on the res the, my actions in life. That's how they came up. When I had to look at my values, I had to look at who I am. And, you know, I always show up, uh, whatever that means to anyone else, what it means to me is being there for others, for myself, for the event. I'm there. I don't cancel. I don't give up. It has to be a good reason. Um, and I'm always on time because I think people who are late are rude and I don't want to be considered rude. Mm -hmm. And to tell my truth I can't tell anybody else's truth. That's all I can tell is my truth. Right. And that's right. all you can tell is your truth. So finding your values is a matter of sitting down and looking at what's important to you. It's like anything else. It's because it's only about you. It's only about me, even though, you know, I believe that on some level we're one, but on other levels, we are individuals bringing it to the big one, the big kahuna kind of thing so we have to bring our best i don't want people bringing their worst yeah i think you know it's it's always these types of things are always like easier said than done too and and to put it into practice and in, in you know being what well, what i think of when i hear all that is authenticity integrity yes. um and uh and just like better alignment with your values and and it's always hard to implement. Um, this also makes me think about uh, what I kind of got out of, you know, browsing your website too, in terms of life design and, and kind of better. Uh, yeah, just starting with designing a, a life around your values um, so that you can show up with full authenticity. And um, I guess my question is how, how much, is design important versus kind of just going through the experience and learning it as you go? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, number one, if you have a plan, it's your plan. If you want to get from A to Z, you have to create a plan. Um, if you wait for somebody to do it for you, or if you wait for some sign, you know, it's like, it, it's no different than the the much a lot maligned story of somebody sitting on their roof because the their town has flooded 
let's just say that their town has flooded and this man is asking god for help god help save me and then a canoe comes by and they say come on get in the canoe we'll take you wherever you want to go no i i'm waiting for god to take care of me and then other people come by doing similar things offering him uh escape offering him opportunity and he keeps saying, no, I'm waiting for God to come. And then at the end, when the water is up to the roof line and he's close to dying, God, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent three people to help you. What more do you want? Mm -hmm. So we can wait for those people to help us or we can create a plan. The thing of it is the plan, you have to adapt within the plan. Right. And that's the key. It's, for example, when I moved here to the, the Seattle area in 2006, I was first going to move to Vancouver Island and because I loved Victoria and I loved the beauty of the island. And I just figured I'm going to move there. Well, circumstances prevailed and I had to adapt so I, you know, did my praying to all the, the powers that be and where would I move? And I was, it was suggested that I draw a big circle with Seattle in the middle and just draw a big circle around there. And I could live with, I could live anywhere within that circle. And that circle included, you know, as far east as Bellevue, I think, and a little bit further east and yeah, but within that, I knew I wanted to live near water. So I had to eliminate some areas, but not that many considering where Seattle is. So I had to adjust. So it's a matter of designing your life within the context of outside influences. It depends on where you want to go and how fast you want to get there. But I always, always say as well is that you cannot go any faster than the slowest part of the train. You can't get the engine there before the caboose. You know, you can get it there, but the caboose has to be right behind you. It cannot be, you know, 100 miles back. You can design your life to the extent that you create a vision for your life of how you would like your life to be. But within that, you make adjustments. You yeah. move to the left, you move to the right, whatever you need to do. And you have to accept that you except that it occurs, that this adaption is going to occur all the time. And are you going to fight it or are you going to go with the flow? And that's, that's huge because, you know, adaptability is the, the only thing we know is consistent within our future is change. Correct. And, and I think so, so being able to be adaptable is going to be, I think the very much, a very important skill in in the future, especially as technology changes everything and uh, as that progresses exponentially, um, which is a whole other topic there. But uh, in, I want to get back to what does designing a life really look like then? Like, what is is there a process that you help people with, or or how did you do yes. it for yourself? Well, you start with the big picture. You know, it, I have lots of questions that I ask new clients, lots of questions. And I'll ask them the same questions every 30 days because things will change. Mm -hmm. But when I ask them the questions, what do you want your life to look like? There's, uh, and they give me a response of whatever. I want to live in Medina on the water, whatever. And we, we know what that means. Others may or may not. And, you know, my question to them is why? Yeah. Because if you don't ask yourself why, you're not going to get all the real true answers. So if you want to de design your life, you do it with the, in the context of, a context of a life vision. What is the best vision that you have of your life? The best vision. And you create that. It's a matter of words and pictures. That's all it is. Yeah. But as you create it, you look at it and each day it's going to change because some days you're going to go, yes, that still resonates. And other days you're going to go, no, that's not working for me anymore. I'm going to delete that. Yeah. So as you remove and replace and adapt and refine, you get closer to your own life design. I mean, 
my life design currently is recording uh, we- um, podcasts on Wednesdays. That's it. For example, when I started in 2017 doing podcasts, I was probably recording three days a week, and then I was going insane because I was doing most of my own production. Hmm. And it was like, no, this has to change. I have to change this. And then it, you know, it kept changing and changing and changing. Not that much and not that often, but I would have to look, where am I in overwhelm? Where does it work where I have more space? For example, for years, I do not take phone calls after six o'clock at night, period, end of sentence. I don't care who you are. Right. And, and people from the old days have remembered that. They will now text me, go, I know you don't do phone calls after 6 p.m. So I've ingrained that in my clients and, and prospects and friends of families a little bit different. But even then, I don't like talking after 6. That's my time. So yeah. I make choices. And you have to, when you make choices about how you want your life to be, you have to be willing to accept all the consequences those choices present. Yeah, and I think that could be one of the limiting factors or beliefs that I think many people might um, be susceptible to is is thinking that you know their decisions are going to result in all these all the negative consequences or or maybe getting themselves even more lost than they think you know they are currently, um, and so they'll they'll kind of push off maybe slowing down to zoom out to design their life and to really ask themselves, okay, what is working and what isn't, you know, and um, they, they don't even want to start planning for something or set the, to set goals or to design their life because, you know, that almost sets you up for, for failure in a way to, to, for your, for your dreams to be crushed if you don't achieve it exactly how you envisioned. And, um, and so that comment, I think that's really relevant in what we're talking about here is that's where the adaptability comes in. That's where you, you know, find that vision, but know that things can change and, uh, and that gets refined as you go along too. Um, but without even having that vision in the first place, you're kind of just then, you know, wobbling all in many different directions and, and uh, and that could kind of steer you off the road. You know, in a lot well, of ways. the thing of it is when you said, you know, if they make a plan, uh, they're setting themselves up for failure. Why couldn't they look at it the other side and think they're setting themselves up for success? Right. It's yeah. just it's just as possible. You know, they're just two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm guilty of the 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 first side where it's like setting expectations for yourself that if if you don't reach then then yeah it's it's easy to kind of then consider myself as a failure for like oh you know see this is why I shouldn't have <laughs> you know but yeah and uh, then come that comes then comes the story and the drama and then you get the confirmation that yes you were right I am a failure mm. and I just don't believe that that's the right way to look at things right and it doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for my clients when I deal with them because they have to change the way of thinking it's yeah. a it's a different way of thinking and also even if it does I think I wrote about failure last week it's and it's like that's all it is. It's it, you failed in an, an aspect of a th- of a creation, not the entire creation. And basically, I don't say those word these words, but basically, it's a so what. You haven't died. Mm-hmm. You still have your brain. You still have your soul. You still have your heart. You still have your mind. So, just look a little to the left, and if you still want what you didn't get reframe it look at it from a different perspective a different point of view what do you want and why do you want it you have to go back to the why right because that's important the why is really important not you know you want it because you know i I mean you don't have to have some you know i'm going to create this charity and i'm going to give all my money to whoever we don't have to go that grand but you want it because it will make you more fulfilled that should be a sufficient response. Yeah. 
I think we have too high expectations of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So with that, then like uh, being able to find what is fulfilling is maybe the next question is initially I'm thinking, obviously it's, it's experimentation. It's, it's going out and doing a lot of things and trying it out to see what does fulfill you. But in terms of, you know, um, at a, in a design phase in our lives, uh, and and really tapping into those values, what does that look like? How do you kind of facilitate that process of reflection um, so that you can go out and and test it? Well, about two years ago, I decided I was going to work with um, techies and non techies in the techie world, basically employees and contractors. I decided that that was a good place to be because I know these people were not happy. They certainly were not satisfied because not too many companies really take care of their employees. I mean, people can say, you know, we we give you food, we give you games, we give you life, but that's just a cult to me. But I stayed in that arena for a while, oh, about a year and a half or so, and realized that these people were a mess Um, but they didn't want to take responsibility for their lives. Responsibility meant engaging with me or someone like me. They would just rather complain as an employee than they were willing to take responsibility for their lives. Mm. So I I changed uh, several months ago. I changed my focus because I said I have to be at a place where there are going to be people who really did want life work harmony because this is where yeah. all of this took me. And I decided to go back to leaders and entrepreneurs, which is where I was several years ago. And I decided to go with people who hit walls, who took risks, who were willing to change if it was required or adjust or adapt and who knew that things change all the time outside of ourselves. And they wanted to live in a world that offered them the best of the best, whatever that meant to them regarding their new business, but also their own freedom, which they never had before, their own sense of flexibility, their own sense of their own authenticity, their own, uh, because Even if they're a leader in a large corporation, for example, and we've got many of them around us, you could still reframe everything to support your new vision of your life. Nobody would even notice the changes because they would be done gradually. For example, if I was dealing and I have dealt with leadership uh, directors, especially in VPs in large local corporations where they didn't want to quit their job, they enjoyed their job, they were on the path to move upward. And, you know, after putting in your time, you don't want to give that up. Some people don't. Yet they still needed more harmony in their life. They needed more joy in their life. And they certainly needed more success in their life on another side. They needed to be total human beings. So that's where I went. And that's where I'm able to help people because they see the difference and they're willing to invest in themselves. They're willing to take the risks required. Employees and contractors are not willing to take the risks required to move forward. Right. And I'm making that as a blatant statement because I was there for almost two years with these people. And there was, oh, I'm going to lose my job. Oh, I can't afford this. Oh, my friends won't like me. Oh, basically, it's no different than if they were working in a mill in the 50s. Because that's where they were coming from. It's it's a lot easier to to stick within the bounds of what is familiar and and with what is like if people people provide us the instructions and and what to do, um, you know it's really easy to kind of get comfortable and complacent within that. I I definitely say so for myself and and see that within my own growth where, you know, I, I just followed the rules, you know, did whatever I needed to get the good grades, get into the college, you know, and even get into the job where then managers and leadership would kind of tell me what to do. Um, 
And, and, you know, if you don't take on, like you said, that your own responsibility to, uh, to, to kind of stretch that growth, then it's, then you're kind of limited in your own critical thinking and your own like creative thinking. So it's, it, you know, without adjusting even just a slight degree, you know, you could end up in a place where, um, everything does become a lot more, uh, stagnant and you become kind of apathetic with a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you're looking so. for safety. You're looking for security, and that that the the only place you have the security is when you're in your mother's or somebody else's womb. That's about it. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's. Um, for example, I'm looking at. I wrote this uh, cartoon book, um, uh, stylish cartoon book years ago, and you have to be able to step outside of yourself and look at things honestly. You have to focus, you have to express yourself, you have to have fun, you have to know that you should trust yourself and no matter what, but you really have to have self-respect. And I think for people today, today is, there is no reason for people to stay. I mean, years ago, my first real job, real job was working for AT&T and they are still performing and treating their employees the same way they did when I was working there years ago. Nothing has changed. The only thing that can change, truly change, are the people within. So as an individual, you have to respect yourself. You know, right. you have to trust that you will get another job. You might have to wait a little bit, but you'll get another job because there are plenty out there. No right. matter where you go, even when I was looking to leave my abode in New York State to get money to come out to California, I was dialing for dollars in the evenings. I would lock up in my bedroom and I would make the phone calls I needed to make, reach the numbers I needed to reach in order to get paid. You do what you need to do. People don't have that anymore. They would, you know, rather just sit at a job that they're not happy at, not having any fun, not getting any respect, but it's up to them. Right. It's, it's tapping into that extra layer that is very rarely um, addressed, you know, like being able to almost admit or uh, be honest with yourself of what you're feeling and what's happening right now in your life. Um you know, it's really easy to just kind of wave that off or suppress it or. Uh, That's you know. not easy at all. It makes you mental. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, like, yeah, in terms of like behaviors and actions, like, you know, it's sure. easier to go, let's just go to, you know, uh, go to happy hour or, or like convince ourselves that, you know, we have a lot of great benefits and, you know, and whatnot. Um, but it's a game. It's a exactly. game you're playing with your mind and your yeah. soul. And then, then you find, uh, I was speaking to someone yesterday about a third party um, who had moved away uh, 3,000 miles away in the opposite direction from my move in order to escape um, his in-laws. Okay, that's the bottom line. Well, 20 years later, the, sto the story is still the same. There is no change. But 20 years have gone by, and he's gotten older, and his opportunities are more limited than they were 20 years ago. So what happens is we repeat these things. You know, uh, we just repeat these things. It goes from mother or parent to child, and then the child has their own children, and it goes to them, and it just goes on and on and on. Yet there is no change because nobody has taken the opportunity to stand up and say, no, mm -hmm. no, this doesn't work for me. I have to do, I have to do things differently and whatever, you know, and short of, you know, taking drugs all the time, you have to take a stand and you have to use your mind and your heart and your soul and, and make that decision work. What do you truly want to do? Whether other people don't like don't like it or or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether people like it or not, other people should not be the judge of you, even though they try real hard. Right. You know, and then there's guilt. 
guilt is added on from parent to child and so on and so forth. So you have to bring up your children differently. You have to bring up yourself differently. You have to go back. Some people have to go back to when they were five, six, seven and look at how that child should begin to think. And then the child melts into the adult, the current adult, and there is a big shift when that occurs. And it does, it may sound a little odd, but believe me, it works. <laughs> yeah, to tap into the inner child a little oh, bit. Yeah. And yes, yeah, you're the just, only one that can take care of your inner child. Right. That's it. Nobody yeah. else can. Well, and, and to just like stick with that curiosity, that sense of wonder, that playfulness. But also to help them absolve their fears. Mm. Because when we're given things from our parents, it's not all, you know, somebody is sitting on our joy. Somebody is also uh, showing us how to be afraid. Yeah. And, it, and when you're afraid, you don't feel safe. And when you don't feel safe, you can't take a stand for yourself. And, you know, then your confidence is at risk and your self-esteem is at risk. Uh, your financial life is at risk. Everything is at risk if you're in fear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can keep going on this, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're coming up on our time here. And uh, one thing I hear a lot is this, this sense of, you know, aligning just ourselves with, something deeper like with with our own internal whys you know our reasons our, our values and and then how that shows up in um in your own authenticity right like how do you show up as your your real self and um and not care about what other people think um well once you get to that point where you are willing to show up as your true self that's the way i call it your true self and your true self is happy and joyful and peaceful. Yeah. Once you're in that place, that might take a lifetime to get to, or it could take a week or a day. Once you get to that place, you uh, what other people think is not even relevant. It's not even in the air around your being. Right. It's not. You don't have to say no to others. They already know where you stand because you are, and that's why I – you know, I don't take on the easy tasks, Victor. I take on the tough ones. Mm -hmm. So when someone wants to have a life of harmony and discover that clarity and, and confidence that's a part of it, it takes work. And that's a word that is missing in a lot of people's vocabularies. Everybody wants things today or yesterday. They want yeah. it. They want to open the door and find it at the front door, like yeah. be, having a delivery from Amazon. Right. They don't want to put effort into it. And um, even though I rely on my intuition, I still have to make things work. You know, well, I, I think there's, I guess to me, it seems that there, it, it, there could be some conflict there where it's like, yeah, we, we do want that harmony and inner peace within us, but that's, that's why you know, that we can kind of procrastinate the work because, oh, that's, that's hard. That's uncomfortable. That's, you know, potentially um, harmful and, and, you know, bring up all these negative emotions. How, so, well, how is it potentially harmful? Well, um, I, I think that it's a, I think it's a, it's definitely a limited sense of thinking. Right. But um, yes. I, I think for me, <laughs> I will agree with that. Yeah. So we're, you know, well, so and I'm just, I'm just sharing kind of like where I'm, I, these are the types of things that I've been working on a lot personally, okay. right. Where right. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, we want to, I, I wanted to be comfortable and, and not, you know, put myself in what I fear might be danger and, and uh, you know, whether that's like, you know, not having shelter or food or whatnot, right? Well, yes, the, you want your survival you want, instincts. Yeah. Yes. You want your basic needs taken care of. You want right. your food, you want your shelter. And we all do. And I think that that's, that's the first thing to be taken care of, mm -hmm. not the last thing. Yeah. This way you feel safe. If you've got, you know, Maslow's hierarchy taken care of at least the first three or four, you feel safe. So once you get to a safe place to make other decisions, 
then you know, you know, ah, oh, I feel better now. I these I these places are taken care of. I have a place to live. I have money uh, for that. And if I don't have money, I have plenty of ways to make the money to take care of that and buy the food. You know, now I'm willing to look at things a little bit differently and maybe open up one door, one door. Right. So that's, you have to pace yourself, but you have to know yourself before you can pace yourself. Yeah. Because you can say, uh, forget it. I've got 12 doors to choose from. Either one is a danger, so I'm not going to do it. Hmm. You know, that's giving up in my opinion. And I think most people, you know, I like to think that I deal with people who have some semblance of brightness, that they're bright and they're smart and they're capable and they can do it. They can say, I'll choose a door to open and work on that door for a specific period of time. Yeah. Not every door. You can't do everything all at once because otherwise you go bonkers. Right, right. And that's when you get, that's where the judgment of self comes in. Yeah, so kind of just taking the small steps, like one step at a time and, it's and working your, path. your way up. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. your path. You can do it as quickly or as slowly as you want. There's no danger in going slowly. There's no judgment in going slowly. Slow is good. Slow, conf- because then you have the opportunity to confirm Ah, I did this. The outcome was that. Are we satisfied? We don't have to be, you know, happiness thrilled here, but are we satisfied? And satisfaction is huge. Yeah. Each and every day, you know, you put your feet up on your desk and you have your imaginary cigar and you say, I did a good job today. That's satisfaction. Right. Well, I I appreciate that perspective. uh, with the time here, uh, I, I wanted to end with uh, a sort of an end segment that I do with all my guests, and mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, on the theme of you know authenticity and and being able to really tap into our emotions, um, I, I definitely talk a lot about emotional intelligence, and mm-hmm. in that is understanding what each of our emotions do, and really being able to relate to the the stories and situations of of those emotions. So I will do kind of a rapid fire thing around your kind of experience or or relationship or a a story that you might have, a quick story, just because yeah, there's five of them. So um about each of these the the core emotions that we have as humans. Okay. So the five core emotions are anger, disgust, fear, sadness, and joy. So we can start with anger. What's uh, what what experience do you have with anger, or or what? A lot, because that about? was the yeah. very first workshop that I facilitated was the, called the anger workshop. Hmm. And that was perfect for me because I was angry. Was it? Is, how did you how did you work through that or get get better with dealing oh, with anger? Oh, it took years. It took years. But I, since I was helping people in the room facilitate their anger, obviously I was experiencing it at the same time. So I, you know, had to make friends with my anger and looked at anger as being more fear than anything else because I didn't have control. Hmm. So I just gave up that I needed to have control. <laughs> that did a lot, truthfully. It helped a lot. Interesting. Um, and then how about disgust? I don't understand that one too much. Um, I mean, I find a lot of things disgusting, but uh, mostly they're inanimate. They're not not people. I don't know if people who are cruel disgust me. People who mm-hmm. are cruel, mostly that. And I just choose not to spend time with people like that. I don't need that in my life. Yeah, and and you do have that decision. You can make that choice. So yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it doesn't serve me, why would I want it around me? Yeah. Okay. Um, fear. Well, a little bit of fear goes a long way. Uh, I've experienced fear uh, on many levels throughout my life. 
you know, as we discussed at the beginning, you know, I had the resilience and the courage, but sometimes the fear came in as, you know, what's going to happen if, and um, I had to go through my own litany and decide to trust, distrust. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how you got work with your fear is yes is trust and trust know that then. and know that um i was protected mm. i don't know how i know that but i know i am protected got it uh sadness sadness interesting i had not written that one down i just had joy uh sadness um it's easy for me to be sad from time to time. I certainly don't wallow in something like that. I, uh, it's momentary as opposed to, you know, long lived. And I don't hold on to the past very much. So that I think is where sadness comes in, thinking of what might have been. Hmm. Uh, when I think of what might have been, I realize I can get sad very quickly and then that serve that does not serve me. Yeah, how do you detach yourself from from that? I think that's the work of many, right? Uh, well, I just stay in the moment. Yeah. You know, where, am I sad right now? No. I mean, I go through you know a very quick you know Q and A in my mind. It's all simultaneous. But you know, number one, what's done is done. Uh, certain situations cannot be brought back to life. And you, I deal with what is. I mean, there are times where I'll just go around all day speaking to myself. I'm in the moment. I'm in the moment. I'm in the moment just to ensure that I'm not thinking of anything that I can't do anything about. Yeah. Because that's where sadness comes for me. Something I cannot do anything about. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. And then lastly, but not least, uh, joy. What about Joy. It needs to be experienced. Most people don't know what it is. It's not happiness. It's not faith. It's not trust. It's feeling free, feeling uh, unobstructed, not feeling anger or disgust or fear or sadness. I mean, joy is about, joy is the ultimate. You're closest to the powers that be when you're in full joy. Yeah. You can't get, I don't think you can get any closer. So if we can surround ourselves with more joy and find what does bring joy. Uh, well, that's, that's I don't know if you can surround yourself with joy. Every, everything I'm looking at, everything you've spoken about in the last five minutes is all personal to me. Mm. So I have to experience joy. I have to experience right, right, or right. I have to desire to experience the highest power. I mean. You know, the Dalai Lama said, if you were enlightened in a moment, you would go mad. It's too much to bear. Okay. Well, thank you for for sharing all of that. I think there was a lot of wisdom in there for sure. And um, really, really good time spent here. And lastly, if you, you know, what, what kind of things are you working on now and, and how can people find you? Well, they can go to my website at askjoannevictoria.com. Actually, my most recent task is writing book reviews. People have asked me to write book reviews, which I go, why me? And then the second question is, um, then I say yes, and then I have to do the work because it's a, you know, a very important process and people rely on them so it's a little task but it's taking up time because i'm trying to do it in a way that benefits the author and the and the viewer so uh on askjoannevictoria.com there are several things they can um Sign up for my daily emails and receive a copy of the True Self Handbook, A Guide to Transform Your Life. There's also a report on there that's five steps to life work harmony, and that's free. Both things are free. And then all of my podcasts to date, my blog posts to date are all on my website, plus my books. All right. 
So I'll link that in the description. And thank uh, you. And uh, yeah, it was really good. Good chatting with you. I enjoyed it immensely. This has been great. All right. Thanks for coming on. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Joanne Victoria of the San IT Project podcast. I really hope you got something out of it. And if you did, I want to hear about it. Um, I do have a Facebook group where I'm, you know, wanting to engage with my listeners a lot more. So uh, if you want to join a community of like-minded EQ nerds, uh, definitely visit facebook.com slash groups slash human up, or you can just search human up with emotional intelligence in the search bar. And if you haven't already, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and as well as my blog for updates for when new uh, content is released. Uh, and in doing so, you can also download the 11 exercises that I've downloaded that I've collected to jumpstart your own emotional intelligence. Um, so that that's all at victorung.com slash subscribe. And if you're interested in group coaching and an emotion gym of sorts to exercise our emotional intelligence, uh, visit victorung.com slash group coaching to learn more. Thank you again for being a loyal listener of this podcast. And I really appreciate you being here for caring about EQ. And I will catch you next Monday.